Hey, Crispin here, the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have our first service of a new year, 2011. This is on January 2nd, downtown Covington. The title of this message is Love in All Directions. This week and next week, we're going to be kind of looking at uh, kind of our philosophy of, a min- of ministry as a church and what we're doing, why we're here. Today's going to really deal with more of the philosophy of ministry section. So there's a lot of diagrams that I use in this particular talk. So I'm going to try to make those available either on our church blog or figure out how to get them on our website. So uh, it'll make a little bit more sense to you if you weren't there to uh, check the diagrams out and kind of see for yourself things that I'm talking about. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org. Have a happy new year. It's pretty cool thinking that just barely a year and year and a half ago, there was just a, a handful of us, about 10 people, Floyd Ethel, and I don't even know if, I don't even see anybody else that was here. Uh, when we uh, started meeting in a, in a house over in Madisonville, and it's neat to see that, that in this time, not only have we begun to impact this community, but now, you know, it's going around the world, and um, that, that's really cool. We've got some other things. At the end of this month, we're sending a ten, team to Haiti uh, to, to work on a, a facility that's going to host teams for the next few years as... Um, Haiti rebuilds from, from the earthquake, and we may even be partnering uh, with the Kinner Vineyard to do a trip to, to Zambia at some point, because they've actually got a partnership with some other vineyard churches um, to focus in on one area. It's a new thing that vineyard churches have been doing. Instead of just sending random people to random, hey, what if we gather together with four or five other churches and we focus on a specific area on, on church planning, on getting clean water on on economic development and that's kind of the strategy we're taking that's how we came across seeds of hope actually uh, the the director from africa over there was a, a vineyard pastor planted a, a a church like this um in zambia except without air conditioning and without walls i think it just has a a, a roof but uh just just precious precious people and um so man i'm excited about that that's that's cool and uh, thank y'all thank y'all for being a part um this morning, actually the next two weeks, we're going to be talking a bit about this church, what we're trying to do, and, and today is going to be kind of our, our ministry philosophy, or at least part of it. Um, every church has a philosophy of ministry. A lot of churches aren't conscious of it. It's just the same way that everybody has a theology about God. Theology sounds like kind of a stuck-up word that, that people in Bible, you know, seminary would use, but really theology is just the way you think about God. And so everybody has, even people who don't believe in God, that's kind of a theology uh, of, of God, a theology of atheism. But today I want to talk about the philosophy of, of ministry and, and to, to kind of get to the core of core, some core ideas about church, I, I want to look at how, you know, kind of the place that was the original place from which the church sprung, and that would be Jesus and his followers. So to, to start this out, I want to look at the call of Jesus. I, I got a little cartoon I want to show you. You got that slide? Uh, it's like the next two slides down. I'm not, <laughs> this is Jesus calling Peter. No, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. 
<laughs> I follow you, Jesus, on Twitter. Um, uh, now, actually, today, I want to look at the, the original calling of Peter. And, uh, and, and what can we learn even about the, the ideas of church from that? So we'll have the scripture up here on the screen. Mark 1, 16 through 20. This is from the NIV. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and his brother casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little farther, they saw James, the son of Zebedee. Any pregnant women? Zebedee? I I haven't seen a lot of those names, but uh, you might want to try that one out. Um, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, Jesus called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. See you later, Dad. We're going to go follow Jesus. Um, A couple of things I want to notice about this scripture. Jesus, when he starts the call of Peter, he says, Peter, come and follow me, and I'm going to make you wealthy. Right? Right? No. Come and follow me, and I'm going to give you this worldwide ministry. No, he doesn't say that. Come and follow me, and I'm going to make you famous, and people are going to like you. No, he doesn't say that. The call of Jesus actually, it it seems kind of weird when you think about it. Follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I'm going to make you good at that. What's interesting with with the calling of, of Peter... Uh, James, Andrew, John, these fishermen, this, this band of Galilean, you know, the uneducated fishermen, just working class guys. What's interesting is that Jesus doesn't ask them to get all their beliefs in line first, does he? He doesn't come up to Peter and say, hey, Peter, I, wanna, I want you to follow me and become a fisherman, but first uh, I need you to, to agree that, that I'm the Son of God, uh, and, and we got this thing called the Trinity. They haven't quite developed it yet, but it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, uh, and, and what is your stance on this and that and that? Jesus doesn't go into any of that. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you, you realize that it's not for quite some time before Peter actually has the revelation that Jesus is not just a prophet and a teacher, but he's actually the Son of God. So Jesus invites these people into ministry to, to following him before they even got everything figured out. Well, not that you ever get everything figured out, but he invites them in. What, what's, what, I, what I think is is interesting is that Jesus doesn't just invite them to a Bible study on the book of Isaiah. He'd probably be pretty good at that. (laughs) He doesn't say, Peter, James, you guys join me. We're going to come over to the house. We're going to have this amazing Bible study because I know some stuff about Isaiah that you don't even know. I made the dude. (laughs) He invites them not into community, just, just community itself. He invites them into a mission. He says, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisherman. There's something to do here, and I want to invite you into the work I'm doing, inviting people into the story, seeing people get reconciled to God, seeing people healed, seeing the the poor fed and the gospel preached. He's inviting them into a mission, but that mission involves community. Do you realize that Jesus, I mean, it's it's, it's just baffles my mind when you think of it. Like, if you're going to do anything in this world, 
to make a difference. Don't you want to start with the best and the brightest, right? You want to have a well-backed financial endeavor. You want to you know, have, have people with good skill sets around you. If you're going to start a company, that's what you want to do. Jesus, in enacting the rescue plan for humanity to save the whole world, he gets a bunch of knuckleheads. Just fishermen, ex-tax collectors. I mean, just, uh, just normal, regular people, but nobody with, with any... N- nothing they're bringing to the, to the whole thing. You know, they don't have a whole lot to offer. And Jesus starts with these guys. If you look at the um, Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says this, Then the eleven disciples, at this point, this is a little context here. Jesus had done his whole earthly ministry. There was the cross, the resurrection, and, and now he was getting ready to head back to heaven. And... Uh, so at this point, they're down to 11 disciples because Judas had uh, committed suicide uh, after betraying Jesus. So then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I, I never noticed that little spot until today. Like, I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, you ever struggle with doubt before in your Christian faith? I do. I still do, even as a pastor. <laughs> These guys, they had been with Jesus for the feeding, the 5,000, Lazarus being raised from the dead, the resurrection of Jesus, hello? And there were still some of them among that group that were struggling with doubts. Jesus goes on to say, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which we're going to do this afternoon and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So God enacts this, right? We see the call of Jesus, and then we see the commissioning of Jesus for these, this ragtag band of followers. What, what is interesting, though, is that, you know, you think God could, could have done the rescue plan for the world anyway, right? But how does he do it? He does it with people. See, there's, there's something that Jesus, if you, if you kind of understand the context here, what Jesus is doing, drawing together these 12 disciples, taking them into his life for, for three years as he uh, brings them into the mission of God, it shows that God is, is relational at the core, isn't he? See, really, we have this doctrine that develops um, a little bit later called the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we believe as the church that, that the Trinity, that, that God is divine community that has existed before he ever created anything. So in the very fabric of God, there is relationship. And so God, his rescue plan is not kind of a snap of the finger, but it's relational. We see this very same Peter that gets called to, to be a, a fisher of men. We see he's a mess. I identify with Peter so well because he's impulsive and he's brash and he's always sticking his foot in his mouth. Anybody else? Yeah. I thank God they left Peter in the story. I think Jesus picked him because the rest of us might have some hope. But what we see is that, that Peter goes from being this impulsive, brash, you know, sometimes prideful, just doing stupid things along the way, sometimes doing amazing things with God. He goes from that to being a rock. 
and his life begins to touch the people around him. You know, I wrote a song years ago, and the, the first words were, you could have come and changed the world in an instant, but you chose to change one heart to the next. And the reality is, the way we experience God, I mean, there, there are times where I have, uh, you know, an experience in my relationship directly with God. There, that, that happens. That's good to have. But, you know, a lot of the, the, the experience with God is with other people. It's other people praying for me. It's confessing my sins to somebody else and, man, you know, I, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me out here? It's somebody sharing the word with me. Somebody calling me up and saying, man, I, I know you're really going through it. What, what's going on? I'm th- I thank God I got people like that in my life right now. There's people who call me without me asking. That's a good thing. I do the same too, thing too. But that's part of how God's plan works. He uses people. He uses people to do it. Understand this. One thing we can see from the Great Commission is God is not a control freak. You realize that? I mean, think about it. Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's he's invested in 12 guys. One of them turned out to be just rotten and betrayed him. So now he's down to 11. And and it says in this passage that some of them were even doubting. You know, they they worship, but some of them were still doubting three years into it. And Jesus, what does he do? He says, all right, it's your baby now. I'm going back to heaven. I'll be with you in spirit. But you're on your own, in a sense. Wow. God's not as controlling as we are, right? He's not trying to force them into it. He said, this is it. Go and do it. God works through people. I think the, the words that I can see that kind of capture what we see in, in this, this ministry of Jesus is that there's mission in it and there's community. I think a, a good term would be missional community. As a church, I think that oftentimes we're, we're real good on the community aspect. You ever been to a church that, that, that's kind of, a friend of mine uses this phrase, it's, it's like a, a a, a box of puppies licking each other. You ever been to a church like that? <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. People loving on each other and stuff, but uh, it does nothing. You know what I mean? It really does nothing outside that other than be just nice community and, oh, we feel good and kumbaya and all that. But that's... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Man, I need to work on it. <laughs> What we see with Jesus is not just developing community for the sake of community, but it's community gathered around mission. Now, I've been around some people that are just about mission, and they're not about community. They're just about going, 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 doing, 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 but they never come into relationship with other people. That's not what we see. We see Jesus bringing people in community around the mission that he's doing. And so with that in mind, with that kind of idea, we'll return to that in a little bit. I want to look at some, some types of churches here. Now, I've kind of come up with a d- diagram this morning, um, and probably people who are good at sociology or religious studies might, I, you know, this is nothing official. I just kind of, this, this is, as I've processed church, this has been a helpful thing for me. Um, and I think using this diagram with these different quadrants, you can kind of see different churches that exist in different places, and you probably attended them. And, and hopefully, I, I want to get down to, okay, this is where some of these churches at. Where would we land on this scale? Now, the first axis, you can probably go to the next slide, is the vertical relationship with God. This is, this is 
your relationship with God, this is how that relationship goes down into your heart. So, um, you know, the depth of your relationship. Okay, the next slide is the axis of our relationship that's horizontal. I've got the church, the community of faith on one side, and then the culture on this side. So when I use the term culture, it's not just TVs and movies and stuff, although we'd include that, but it's also the surrounding community, you know, folks that are just outside these doors, okay? So with these two axes, is that what we say, axes? Uh, with these two axes here, can, let's go to the next slide. Let's see. Okay, yeah. Then you can kind of... I, I, what works for me, at least, is I can kind of see where there are churches that, that you can plot them in here. Like some churches are really about God and church community, not so much about the world. Some churches are really about, you know, the culture outside the church, but not so much about uh, community. Some kind of neglect those things, and, and that's what I want to look at this morning. So the first church I would say would be the subculture church. Now, I call this the subculture church because it's located up in this quadrant. It's not... Over here by the outside culture, it's very much about the church and God, but not really about anybody out there. And so I call it a subculture because um, if you come around a church like this, it may seem like a different culture. Uh, Let me ask you this. Have you ever been around some people before that are of a certain, um, they're very technical in their profession, and when they start using their technical jargon, you're like, "Uh, what? (laughs) Yeah, I've got... Friends of mine on the South Shore, when I was the worship pastor down there, we would do our our worship practice on a Tuesday night, and then we'd go sit out back and hang out for a little bit, and uh, sometimes we'd have three or four sound guys out there, and they'd be talking about sound stuff. Well, I know a little bit about sound, kind of like Ken, and uh, but I don't know a whole lot of technical stuff. You know, I can I can make something sound good, but I you know I don't really understand the engineering behind it. And so sometimes these guys would start talking and they start talking about decibels and megahertz and signal path. And, and then the really geeky ones who actually make guitar amps and stuff, they'd start talking about diodes and capacitors. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm this far away from the people, but all of a sudden by their language, I'm really far away, right? Well, a lot of people, that's their experience in a subculture church. They come in and they hear all these words that they've never heard in any other place in their regular world. They see all these kinds of expressions that seem very foreign to them. Like it, it, you know, it might, might be coming into a church that's playing songs that were 500 years old on, a, on a, a pipe organ. You don't have much grid for that in your life. You don't bump into pipe organs anywhere else. Um, the songs don't sound like the songs in the radio. Or it may be that the language is just stuff like, you know, saying things like, um, you know, hallelujah, sanctification, uh, you know, I mean, or maybe talking in Greek, <laughs> Latin, maybe even talking in Latin. Uh, a subculture can exist in any, uh, uh, there's subculture churches in all denominations. I know vineyard churches that would fit right here. But the, the, the purpose, the, the thing I'd like to make about this is that it's a very hard church for outsiders to connect with because they use very insider language. They develop their own culture. And so if you were not raised in church or raised around that culture, you're going to have a hard time stepping into it. Okay, the next church would be the Seeker Church. This has probably been one of the most popular churches in the last 20 years. Uh, Back in uh, the early 90s, there was a church called Willow Creek up in um, Chicago. You ever heard of that? Okay, Bill Hybels, he he started this thing called... uh, Willow Creek, which I just said. Um, and 
it was kind of a reaction. That I think there's a lot of churches that realized, hey, you know, if, if all the churches in the United States stay in the subculture model, guess what? The churches of the United States are kind of doomed. We're shrinking. There's no new, new people coming in. And so seeker churches kind of developed as with the mentality of, Instead of being at war with the culture or trying to retreat from the culture, how about we try to build some bridges and connect with people in the culture? And so Willow Creek, they started doing crazy things. It doesn't sound that crazy now, but, you know, instead of using King James English, they would start talking like normal people. The worship, instead of sounding like something 400 years old, actually started sounding a little bit more like stuff people listen to on the radio in their everyday lives. They, they really made it an effort to communicate things in the context of a modern culture. Now, the downside is the seeker church, it's in this quadrant up here. And a lot of times the depth is not very, you know, it's, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. A lot of times they're really good at introducing people to God, but not so much in, in growing people in God. You don't see the impact of the, the gospel very deep in their hearts. And a lot of times, uh, you know, a lot of the mega churches that have sprung up in the last 20 years would, would definitely be in this model. And a lot of times it's hard for someone who comes to a church like that to actually experience authentic community. Like, for instance, if you go to Joel Osteen's church in, in um, what, what is it, Lake, Lakeland Church in Houston? Is it Lakeland? Lakewood. Lake, Lakewood. Um, you don't go there to, to get a good experience of community, usually. You know, you, you, you go there because you, you, it's about the weekend message. It's, it's very much, that's what they do really good. And so you're showing up for that. The downside is, if you're just showing up for that, you're probably not going to have much of an impact below <laughs> this line or even in, in getting authentic Christian community. Okay, next slide would be the Oprah Dr. Phil Church. I couldn't think of a, a, a good title for this, but this is a church that would major on the internal journey, like, you know, dealing with the emotional hurts and hangups and stuff like that, but it doesn't focus much on God. Um, I would say a lot of AA meetings kind of stay in this quadrant. Now, AA will tell you, you know, one of the first steps is admitting that there's a higher power. But, you know, that, that may be the extent of spirituality. I mean, I know plenty of AA groups, though, that are very Christ-centered. But a lot of them, it's just, hey, just admit that there's some kind of nebulous power out there that's bigger than you. And, and then that's the extent of your journey. Now, AA is, is really good, the 12 steps. I'm a big believer in that. I think, that's a, I think the church could probably learn a lot from that. But yet, it exists in this quadrant because it's real good with connecting with the culture, real good at connecting with the heart uh, and dealing with kind of hard issues. But it's not real good in growing you up into God. All right, the last church that I would say, type of church. Have you have y'all been to any of these churches before? Is this? Okay. Um, Last church, would I'd call it the hospital church. And this is a church for hurting people. A lot of the hospital churches have kind of sprung up to, to help people deal with the wounds that they've incurred in, in <laughs> subculture churches and, and seeker churches. And, and I, I've experienced, you know, kind of a hospital church. In, in my, I'm, and I, years ago, early on in my Christian experience, man, I had a really rough experience with church. I was about to give up. I mean, I was like... I, I had enough with ministry. I, it just seemed like a place where you just get beat up. And I was like, man, I, I, I wasn't ready to give up on God. And I remember finding a, a group of Christians that 
that I would call the church like kind of a hospital. They, they were really good. It was just a healing place. There wasn't a whole lot of expectations put on me for anything, which was good because, man, I, I had an aversion to anything in ministry, and I had all these issues on the inside. So we went there for a long time and, and really began to get healed up. Now, the downside of the hospital church is, it, I would put it this way, if you, if you um, say you go to the hospital and you've got a disease, and they get you on antibiotics and, and get you, you know, take care of the infection. They put you in physical therapy so you can walk again and all that stuff. And you finally get healed up. It'd be silly to keep coming back to that, right? You know, it'd be kind of funny if you said, hey, can I get this room for another few weeks? Can I stay here? Uh, oftentimes, I find people that, that come to these kind of churches, they have such an aversion, a fear to getting hurt again that they stay here. And so it's, 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 it's as logical as staying in a in a uh, in a hospital you know a hospital doesn't have most hospitals at least don't have much of a missional component i know there's things like doctors without borders and things like that where they actually go but you know most hospitals they wait for people to come to them and and heal them up well that's kind of uh, what i've seen with with these types of churches so those are kind of four types of churches now those are certainly stereotypes of churches where would i put our church or where would i want to put our church on this uh thing well I would say what I would call connected church, that we'd be right here in the center. We've got a little thing on our, on our, our, our sign outside that says life connected. And we started talking about that stuff a couple of years ago when just getting ready to plant the church, that, that we don't want to be a church that, that connects with the culture at the expense of authentic Christian community but rather one that builds authentic Christian community and commit, con, uh, connects with the outside community. We don't want to be a church that, uh, we want to be a church that takes the internal journey seriously. I believe a lot of churches, when it comes to e- emotional issues, um, you know, your, your hurts and your hangups, bad things that have happened in your past, a lot of churches don't want to deal with any of that because it's messy. <laughs> and... Uh, so if you're struggling with bitterness, unforgiveness, you know, a lot of churches will pray for you and bless you and tell you how to do it, but they won't really walk with you through that journey. Well, we take the, the journey of the heart seriously here. And really, if you're going to be a part of this church and begin experiencing authentic community, I've noticed something happens when you experience authentic relationship, issues start coming to the surface. You ever notice that when you got married? Like, like I know when I got married, like I thought I was issue free. All of a sudden, I, I, I have to live with another person under the same roof, and I, I start realizing, wow, I've got issues, and she's got issues. It was our proximity of relationship that, that began bringing those things up. I know a lot of people who came to our church last year, man. It's like, dude, I, I felt so bad because it's like people start showing up to our church, and then all these issues start popping up. Like they were doing, it's like, man, I was doing so good till I came to North Shore Vineyard and now like God starts bringing up all this junk. Well, we, we, that's a good thing because that's how God changes you. And so as a church, we want to live in this place. But you know, I got to tell you, living in this place is living in tension. It's not an easy place. It's a lot easier to live in kind of the black and white world of a subculture church where, you know, hey, if you don't like what we're doing, you can leave. We don't care. You know, get over whatever we're doing. It's a lot easier to live in this place where you're just trying to connect with with people outside the church. Uh, 
but to live in the tension of missional community, it's tough. And I think for some people, you might find that our church isn't uh, enough of us. It, it may feel, if you've been in church a long time, it may feel there might not be enough subculture for you. <laughs> you may feel like, wow, I, I could use a little bit more words that people outside of church don't understand. <laughs> I could use some things that are a little bit more familiar to me. Well, it's going to feel like tension to you. Perhaps if you've been in, in a kind of a secret church your whole life over here, well, it's going to be a little bit more difficult too because it's, we're going for authentic community here. We actually want you to grow in relationships with one another. But I think at the end of the day, what we would say is what we're trying to do is hopefully what Jesus was doing. It's <laughs> what we're shooting for. It's missional community that we're gathered around the purposes of God. And I got to tell you, this morning... Well, you know, we try to see this reflected in everything that we're doing. You know, last year, uh, we launched this church. Before we ever did the weekend services, we, we started meeting over at this uh, Matina Bella restaurant a couple blocks from here. And we met during the fall and did this thing called Alpha. And if you haven't been to our Alpha course before, we just, we have dinner, a little talk, and then it's a discussion. And as much as I would like people to tell me the big takeaway was my awesome messages each week, that's not what people say. They say it's the conversations that they make. They're talking about God. They're gathering around God. They're beginning to grow in their relationship with God. But we're not doing it in such a way where you got to get over a whole bunch of barriers to get to God. <laughs> we're meeting the culture right where it's at. And that's how I wanted to start the church. Before we ever did any services, I wanted to start like that because I felt like putting tables out and inviting people to a conversation, a community gathered around God, we're not going to put any expectations on you to believe anything. We're just going to invite you to join us. That that made a statement about what we're trying to do. And so we try to see this, this idea expressed in everything we do. Back there this morning, our children's church. You know what? They're, they're, they're going to be talking about adopting a compassion kid. Anybody familiar with Compassion International? Compassion International is a, a great organization that has sprung up uh, in the last probably 30 years, but they, they help children in, in developing world countries uh, who don't have clothes and enough food and stuff, and so you can sponsor a child, and, um, and their basic needs will be taken care of. And so our, our vineyard kids back here, they're going to they're gonna adopt a kid as, as, as part of their um, morning, whatever, children's church. And so these kids are going to... Uh, they're going to bring offerings of a couple of bucks. It costs like 40 bucks a month to do this. So we're going to let these kids be a part of reaching the culture, of the mission of God to serve, to reach the world around us. And so we, we take this thing seriously about living in this place that everything we do, we want it to reflect that. So in a few weeks, we're doing our small groups. We, we've crafted our small groups. Last, last time we did them in the summer, we crafted it to where whether you were a brand new Christian, whether you're not a Christian at all, or whether you've been a Christian 30 years, that hopefully you can get something out of it. That there's no barriers. And we've seen that God's been able, you know, we've seen God really do some amazing things with people. So hopefully this clarifies to you a little bit about what we're doing. And you may think, well, great. I figure out that I don't want to be a part of this church. Well, that's great. There's plenty. There's a lot of awesome churches on the North Shore. And, and 
But if, if you want to be here, this is what, this is what we're going to be about, about that kind of philosophy. We're going to be about uh, doing the work of the kingdom, gathering together an authentic community that's missional, that's looking outward. So I'm hoping in the coming year, I would love to see by the fall that we could maybe get like a, a mentoring program in the, one of the public schools. I, I've, I've talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm looking forward to some things we're going to be able to do in this community. I'm looking forward to some things we're going to be able to do in Haiti. We're probably going to be sending a few missions trips to Haiti. But that everything we're doing, we're coming together around Jesus, but we're mobilized to do His purpose, to proclaim the kingdom, whether by helping people's physical needs uh, or by proclaiming the message. So... I'd say any questions, but if you got any questions, you can write them down on the card, and, and we'll probably next week will be a better like service to ask questions on. Okay, good. I, I have no like kind of awesome way to end this thing. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of crash landed. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Um, <laughs> why don't you guys stand with me, and I'll close this with a word of prayer. Because I, I think there's a, I heard there's something important happening on TV right about now. Father God, we, we thank you so much for your call upon our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing here at North Shore Vineyard. Uh, we just, we've experienced an amazing year and we, we just believe that, that we're going to continue to see amazing things in this coming year. We thank you for what you're doing in us as a, as a group of people. Lord, help us to gather around your mission. Help us, help give us wisdom, grace, and courage to follow that mission. Lord, that we could be salt and light in Covington and Lord, even around the world. We just ask you to have your way in our hearts.